Brain fog, insomnia, moodiness, weight gain. Maybe you think they're just part of getting older, but Midi Health understands that for women over 40, they can all connect to menopause. It's at the root of dozens of symptoms we experience, not just hot flashes. Midi clinicians are menopause experts offering safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions covered by insurance. 91% of Midi patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. Welcome to What is Going Om for new thought from the edge of Om. Each week on Om Time's flagship radio show, veteran broadcaster, author, and media consultant Sandy Sedgbeer conducts thought provoking interviews with inspirational authors, artists, musicians, scientists, speakers, and filmmakers who are working at the point where spirituality and science meet consciousness at the very edge of Om. Here is your host, Sandy Sedgbeer. Hello. Today's show is going to complete a series of three conversations around a remarkable trilogy of books, the Self-Realization Series, which is being compared to two other classic bodies of spiritual work, Conversations with God and A Course in Miracles that have transformed the lives of millions of people worldwide. My guest is globally recognized speaker, publisher of 1111 magazine, host of 1111 Talk Radio, and guide for 1111 Interviews TV, Simran, who is the author of multiple award-winning books, including the Self-Realization Trilogy on Living, Being, and Knowing. Simran, welcome. I know, I feel like I've had triplets. <laughs> <laughs> I hope it wasn't that painful. <laughs> Well, you know, during the process, birth is always a little painful, but after yeah, yeah, there's a good reason why they talk about birth in a book. <laughs> <laughs> yes, absolutely. Thank you for having me on. It's always a rich conversation, and it is especially powerful to have someone else truly see you, truly understand, and hold the space for something that is known to be a legacy that will live beyond one's lifetime. Yeah, yeah. That's exactly what I think this series of books will be. You know, they'll just go on and on and on, word of mouth, building and building. They really are a remarkable collection of books. Um, for those who may not have heard the previous two episodes in this series, um, can you give us a brief overview of the blessings revealed in each book? Yes, um, and, and I think to start, uh, the best way to describe this series is that we live our lives experiencing a journey of life outside of us. And we often think that that is the goal that we're here to get, whatever we can attain, whatever we can accomplish, who we can become as an identity. But we miss the subtlety of the true journey that is to take place. And that is within the topography of self that is within the full landscape of the many dimensions that we have within us and what those were destined to reveal not only to us, but to be the experience of the divine through us. And so this series of books is the self-realization trilogy of living, being, and knowing because it depicts the seven blessings of human experience that 
allow us to move through the many obstacles and challenges and sufferings that life is, that the ancient masters told us that it would be, while moving into the seven illusions that really take us from our center and take us out of our highest alignment to our power, those illusions that come from the conditioning of the world and the things that we are taught are important, but actually distract us from what's truly important. And they lead to the seven graces, these seven human graces that we must give ourselves in return to find that gateway back to divinity, back to the ownership of divine being that we are all endowed with, but that we forget early, early on. It's interesting, isn't it? I mean, you talk about the, you know, the sages have said that it's going to be a tough journey. But the fact is, it's only a tough journey because we are loaded with so much conditioning that causes the suffering in the first place. It is the truth. I mean, Buddha says life is suffering. And if we look around the world, if we look at our own lives, if we look inside our heads, we will find all those places of suffering. And if we take the time to be present and to stop and really allow the deconditioning to take place, we'll often find that so much of that suffering is dependent upon other people's thoughts, other people's voices, other people's ideas, other people's uh, projections of how we should live and what a fulfilling life or success really is. And when we really get to the core and the crux of what we really see as those things, we often find that they're completely opposite of what we've been taught. And that's where the dissolution begins. That's where the true alchemy is possible. It may not be the easiest journey, but it will be the most fulfilling. Mm, yeah. You, um, in the first book, the blessings were life, challenge, conflict, chaos, obstacles, darkness, death. <laughs> Who wants to come to this planet if they look like that? Yes. Yeah. It's uh, it's it's so interesting because I think that we are, you know, we are love. And as you say, all the suffering comes because we think we're not. That And that's it in a nutshell. That's it in a nutshell. And that was really the driving force for putting this trilogy out. This trilogy is an act of radical self-love. Anyone partaking in it is saying, I love myself so completely that I'm willing to uh, stop telling the lies to myself, stop being in denial, to be radically honest to who I really am and get to the truth of who I've not been. And to do that, it means that we have to look at life differently. We have to stop whitewashing the experiences that we have. We have to stop glossing over things. We have to stop living in a false narrative, a positivity movement that has no true integration and foundation uh, within it. We have to stop being airy-fairy or living uh, outside of our bodies or trying to escape through all types of mechanisms that are external and ultimately realize that that saying that everything that we need is within is really the truth, but it requires us to go within. And when we do that, we literally turn the lead of our lives into gold. And it is available to each and every one of us. And I think that the main point that I want individuals to understand as they move through this material in whatever way feels right for them 
is that any person, regardless of where they come from, what their circumstances are, their monetary status, their religious upbringing, whether they're married or single, whether they are poor or rich, that they can reach enlightenment on their own. And that enlightenment in itself is something different than they've been taught. Mm, Yeah. I think everybody wants this. Everybody yearns for it. But when it comes down to doing the work, it's far too easy to be distracted. It's very easy to be distracted in this world. We're distracted by all the feel-good stuff, by the fantasies that we want to live out, by the ways we convince ourselves of things that are not true. And then we're distracted by all the chaos or the manipulations or the control that is in the external world that is trying to distract us. That's the whole point. And part of the reason that these books can be powerful is I've done such deep introspection because of things that happened in my life that I was able to reach the subtlest of places that we all hold. The the places within our visceral body, within our cells and tissues that would take sometimes lifetimes to get to, to get to that awareness. And sometimes to just have a place that points you to those things and prompts you with a question that has you ask yourself that can catapult you much further, much quicker than had you had to walk through every layer of finding that for yourself. And that's really my hope for this book is these books is that they bring people to personal power, purpose, and peace because they're committed to themselves. They're willing to love themselves. They're they're able to just take 10 minutes a day and read one paragraph and let that marinate inside of themselves so that the medicine works within them. And then self-realization, personal growth, life do not have to be hard. They do not have to be the struggle because all of a sudden we are centering within the self and we're making ourselves a fulfilling part of our own experience. Mm. I mean, this body of work is a journey. It is a a pathway that one can take. One can, you know, you're being, you're guiding us on a pathway, aren't you? Would you just give us a, a little snippet of what we would experience, what we would encounter in each of the three books? Yeah, so as you move through living the seven blessings of human experience, what you are encountering is you, your identity, as you know it. The more conscious part of you, although we are all pretty much unconscious all of the time. And so this is bringing you conscious to your unconsciousness. It is showing you how your conflicts and your challenges and your chaos and all the darkness you encounter, how they appear, why they appear, and that they are a continuous cycle that we will go through in our lives over and over again in different ways. That book also shows you then, well, how do I rise to a higher octave of that? If I don't want to experience chaos, how do I move out of the chaos? So you're taken through the ladder of realization to move to that higher octave of experience. If you go across the books, which is really how they're intended to be read, not one book at a time, but literally moving from uh, the correlating sevens across three books, you will then find the underworld of where you are at that time. The second book being The Seven Illusions That Derail Personal Power, Purpose, and Peace. They introduce you to the sides of yourself that you don't know yet. 
And these are typically the sides of yourself that you want to project or blame on the outside. So it's the shadowy nature of other people. It's the animalistic behaviors that you see out in the world, such as greed and lust and dominance. It is the monster personalities that you want to condemn outside of yourself that you say are the villains or are the horrible people of the planet that should be eliminated. It is the demons, the darkness that has no name, that has no true form that you just know is there that deep inside you have a fear about. Well, all of those are simply projections of what we hold inside. And when we can finally meet not just the shadow, but the animal, the monster, and the demons within ourselves, then all of a sudden we can get to understand parts of ourselves that we've never known and start to learn how to embrace them, soothe them, calm them, so that they're not acting and operating in our life in an unconscious way. And the truth is they're always operating. We're just not present to them. They are always present. They're not past or future. They are here now. So we must temper them so that we keep our lives calm. The third book, Knowing the Seven Human Expressions of Grace, is humanity. It is the humanity that you're going to experience if you stay present to yourself through living and being. So it's going to help you move through the feelings, the emotions, and all of the dissolution and dissolving that has to take place within the body, which is where we hold everything. And as you do so within that book, you start to encounter the light bodies, the increasing frequencies, the vibrations that start to open up because you become more self-aware. You also encounter the visceral subtleties, the rage, the repression, the regret, those visceral energies that are so subtle that unless we do the work, we never quite touch those. And as we clean this vessel in that way, we become more and more sensitive that we open up to a greater level of seeing, hearing, and participating with the divine cosmos. And that leads us to a true connection with the divine. Why seven? You know, as I was going through my own experience, what I realized was everything that I had encountered was occurring in echoes of seven. And I knew that as we uh, grow, we grow in seven year age stages. And so that zero to seven is when we take in everything in the physical body. Seven to 14 is where we build our emotional body. 14 to 21, we build our intellectual body. But what we don't realize and no one ever tells us is as we're growing those bodies, we're embedding within our cellular structure and our auric bodies a certain persona, identity, and lens of looking at the world. And when we do that, every seven years following each of those, we then create like experiences. So if we have a trauma that takes place at age five, we will have an echo of that trauma at 12 and 19 and 26 and on and so forth as prompts to go back to age five and heal that, to dissolve that initial bump that took place. And so when we look at cycles and rhythms and patterns that form in our lives, it's not that anyone's trying to punish us. God is not out there wielding a sword. The universe has not got it in for us. It's that we have a certain pattern and then there's a bump and then we go back around, and then there's a bump, and then we go back around. And so it's about smoothing those places where the bumps have formed. And that is how we get to know where we took on conditioning, 
where we took on someone else's wound or projection that was not ours and how we return back to the divine nature that we are, the true natural self that we were before taking on all of those other things from other people. Did it take you seven years to write these books? It took me seven years to have the experience to understand and disintegrate and integrate my experience. Uh, once that seven year period was finished, it took me a year and a half to write the books of my experience. Yeah, and you wrote them all at the same time, not consecutively, but you were writing. Yeah. I had to write them simultaneously because as I said, the sevens correlate. So when you look at the first layer in book one, you look at the first layer in book two and the first layer in book three, and it will help you to understand what each of your dimensions are experiencing at that time. That's the best way to read this trilogy. But for, for those people that just want to open a book here and there, they're going to get just as much. They just won't see how the threads connect as easily. And so my recommendation is for people to get all three. They will become a spiritual staple in your library. And I can guarantee, even if you only open the book as an oracle, you will always receive something that is insightful and what you need. Mm. Yeah. Now, this is a seven universal year and you've just had the third one published this week, is it? Or last week? Um, yeah. What's the significance of that, do you think? Do you think that was kind of preordained? I think that that was a, a universal wink. Uh, I certainly never planned that. And a seven universal year has everything to do with deep introspection, with presence to self and with radical self-love. And so I think we're being invited in this year to really get into a space of knowing ourselves. So the fact that the books have come out over 2022 and now the third one in 2023, uh, to me, the universe is just celebrating it and pointing it to this direction, that this is a good resource to move into. Well, this is also a personal year. I'm a the same as the universal year. So it's obviously a big nudge to me <laughs> to practice some radical self-love. So um, tell me, in, in book two, you, you talk about the bridge that we all cross at some point in our lives. What is that bridge? There's a bridge of being unconscious and who we were and wanting to move into this place of being able to to tap into or have a sense of who we are. And we find these junctures in our lives quite often where we're trying to perhaps, let's say, move out of a marriage and you're going through a divorce and you're moving from who you were as an identity into now a new identity. So it can show up again in many different ways. But as we move across this bridge, what tends to happen is we have a foot in both worlds. And so we're not quite who we used to be and we're not quite who we're going to be. And so we have to be that bridge. We have to be the visionary and the mystic at the same time. The visionary lives in the space of knowing the truth of who we are and where we're going to anchor and really holding that space and the words, thoughts, and actions to get there. The mystic, however, holds the space for where you are currently and does the work, has the love and the presence to feel every feeling to know that every tear, every scream, every giggle has a certain place 
and a presence in your body that is calling for something. And when you can have that level of presence to yourself as a mystic and a visionary, you're actually creating a divine union within. You're creating a partnership with self and with soul. You're allowing identity and the God self to hold hands and move forward for an eventual merging that is going to be very powerful. What have you, I know that you um, you do some personal mentoring of people who've wanted you literally to guide them through step by step. Um, what sort of react, responses, reactions, you know, is there a commonality among them? Do people you know, kind we, of... Moving through the experience myself and this work, it brought me to a greater place of fulfillment, of peace, and kind of a geyser of creativity has erupted out of that. And I attest that to we are all God capacity and we really are nothing but creative funnels. And that's what we're here to do. If you just look at the world, that is the divine in its full creative geyser. And so as I've worked with several individuals, that wanted to move through the work in a very intimate way. What I have found is this deep, deep sense of self-love that just bursts their hearts open and this radical trust that starts to form so that they truly step into a purposeful way of living and a peace of mind that allows their creative capacity to, to flow through in, in kind of an unfettered, boundless, beautiful way. And it's done with this detachment, this independence where we're not working in a codependent way anymore. And right now we live in a very, very codependent world. We live in a world where everyone's trying to heal other people or fix other people or put something out to try to save our world or make our world better. And yet what we don't realize is that's all very codependent. And what we must move to, and I talk a lot about this in book two, is that we have to move from teacher to example. We have to move from businessman to philanthropeneur. We have to move from evolution to truly living as divine being. When we live in that way that is independent and interdependent, knowing that every single person on the planet is God capacity, and then all of a sudden we free them up to do their own work and their own healing. And we free ourselves up to truly live a life of joy and creativity and ease with the way that we were intended to be here. We don't realize that oftentimes, particularly as light workers and healers, when we embark on that path of healing, we all of a sudden make that our life purpose when it never was meant to be. It was meant to be our healing. There's something else, something creative, something that sparks joy and fulfillment in our lives that we're truly meant to be doing. And so then that becomes another phase of the deconditioning and the letting go process, because now it means, OK, I've got to really let go of my wound. I've got to let go of my story. I've got to let go of all that that I've built myself into because of something that happened to me. And now I need to move into an unknown and be something completely different which means I have no story. I have no wound. I create freely. And that's independence. Mm. You use a word um, that is rarely used in any description of personal development work, and that is the process of emulsifying. Tell me what you mean by that. I have turned to mush more times than I can count. 
<laughs> and if we really look at the process of a caterpillar turning into a butterfly, it goes through a process of emulsification. It has to lose its identity to become something else, to transform into something else more beautiful. And when I went through deep periods of whether it was grief or uh, deep sadness or feeling any of the emotions that I had to feel, what would occur is it was as if my identity was softening and, and emulsifying, just kind of falling away. And I had to allow that. And again, that's not always going to be comfortable. None of the process of letting go of our attachments is ever comfortable. But what is on the other side is always more transformative and more beautiful. Well, it is. Yeah, it is very hard because we all have a, an ideal about ourselves. You know, we all have an identity and often it's tied up with what we do, you know, or what we've achieved. And it, quite often we will say, if I'm not that, then what am I? Exactly. And that's why the third book, Knowing the Seven Human Expressions of Grace, it talks about grace in, in a way of explaining how we can actually activate that grace in our lives. And so it starts off with simplicity, you know, because the first, the first blessing is the blessing of life. And, you know, the first illusion is the illusion of time. And usually with the blessing of life and the illusion of time, we create all this complexity. You know, we try to build our lives. We try to create our bank accounts. We try to get married and have houses. And then we try to ascend up the ladder of who we're supposed to be. And we don't realize that all of our intentions and our ambitions are simply creating complexity. And so when we get to the place of realizing, I don't want this complexity anymore. It's exhausting. It is not life affirming. It is wearing me down. I'm no longer fulfilled. I'm no longer at peace then all of a sudden we start to give ourselves the gift of simplicity. And that's both external as well as internal. And so the book goes into what the internal simplicity goes to on to look like as well. And then you move through the ladder of graces and it goes into the grace of detachment or the grace of dispassion. You know, our, our society, particularly the Western world, is taught that we have to have a passion, that we have to live our passion, that, you know, everyone's got to go do that particular thing that lights them up. But they don't realize that passion is actually a very shadow energy. And it is the fire, right? Passion's the fire. So you're going to get burned. And so the only way for any type of uh, endeavor or commitment or vision to truly have power is to become dispassionate about it. Now, that's not indifferent or apathetic or uncaring. It means that you no longer are ruled by that passion. You're no longer um, possessed by that passion. And if you look at a lot of people that are very passionate about what they do, they're almost possessed. And so that's the kind of thing that we look at is the very deep subtleties of, of these types of things as we move through the graces. And these are very high spiritual teachings. If you look at many of the ancient masters, and they will talk about things like dispassion and detachment and many of these types of things that have to be moved through to truly access our, our very high spiritual power. When you look back on your life before this, you know, the, the situations that you went through that led to these books, how, what's changed? You know, how do you <laughs> relate to the person that you were? 
uh, everything's changed. You know, I used to be this really ambitious person. I was very driven. Get ahead of the postage rate increases this year with Stamps.com. It's like your own personal post office. Sign up with promo code PROGRAM for a four-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com code PROGRAM. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. I uh, had a lot of obligation. I lived by cultural standards. I lived by Indian standards. I lived by what my parents, my family thought I needed to do. I tried to follow the methods that business taught me I had to follow. All of those things are out the window. <laughs> They're all gone because all of those things are just, in a sense, brainwashing. It's all gaslighting. It is the narcissistic way our world kind of controls us and turns us into, you know, the child of this false world that we were never meant to be. There's a reason there's so much narcissism in the world today. It's a mirror of the way that not only narcissistic abuse has occurred to all of us unknowingly, but how we have also become those very narcissists. I talk about that in book two. And for some, this is going to be considered blasphemous, but you know, I go to the degree of we have to recognize how narcissistic we are as a reflection of our creator. You know, our creator that created everything, how much more narcissistic could you be than to want everything created in your likeness and image? You know, to experience life in every degree so that you could experience yourself. Now, that's not to say anything bad about creation or God or anything like that. It's just to get a sense of all of who we are. We have to own all of it. And when we do not own all of it, it has to show up in our outer world in a very large degree that becomes impactful on our personal and social experiences. And that's why it's important to own these things. You know, I've, I've had an experience where I've had to encounter a lot of these types of things. And rather than pointing the finger to other people and blaming as I'm moving through the process, my continuous question was always the question that I asked in my very first book, Conversations with the Universe. And it was, where is that in me? And we must ask that question about everything that we encounter. It is the greatest single question that can produce the highest amount of personal growth for anyone. But many people would say, you know, and you're right, it is blasphemous to say, well, God is a narcissist you know but uh many people are conditioned to believe that whatever god says or does is right and they should do the same well you know i love 
I love God. I love the divine. I love all religions. I love all those that came forward. So I have nothing against any of that. And I'm a very devoted and spiritual person. But I also want to understand what I believe to be God's perspective. And I see that the divine is really neutral in how it looks at everything. You know, it's it's not judging the murderer any more than it's judging the angel. You know, God is unconditional in its love. And so when I say that, I'm saying it from the place, can you be unconditional in your love? Can you be as God is? And if you can do that, then you can experience from the mind and the eyes and the heart of God as you look at the world. And that is a place of compassion and healing. Mm. We're going to take a short break now. You're listening to What Is Going On. I'm Sandy Sedgbeer, and my guest today is globally recognized speaker and publisher of 1111 Magazine, host of 1111 Talk Radio, and guide for 1111 Interviews TV. Simran, who is the author of the trilogy of books that we're discussing today, the Self-Realization Trilogy. We'll be back in a few moments. Stay tuned. Om Times TV. Imagine becoming a super influencer. Reinvent yourself, invest in your brand, and then manifest your success with a robust, spheric approach. Om Times Media and Broadcasting offers a unique and multifaceted way to become the spiritual and conscious influencer you deserve to be by putting your message across our powerful platform with its proven record of integrity and excellence. Through our produced shows, Om Times offers the opportunity to become a social media TV personality, a radio show host, an Om Times magazine columnist, and a syndicated podcaster, all in one shot. By live streaming your show on Om Times TV and broadcasting it across the extensive Om Times radio and TV networks, you become more than a host. You become an ambassador and a force for positive change. Om Times. Open yourself to the possibilities. Hello, I'm Sandy Sedgbeer, host of Om Times flagship radio show, What Is Going On? And as an author, editor and 13 times book judge who's read thousands of books and interviewed hundreds of authors, I'm constantly asked what's really worth reading and what's not. So I created the No BS Spiritual Book Club to help you save time and money by picking the brains of discerning names who have walked this path before you. There's no catch, no fees and no BS, just an ever-growing library of 10 best spiritual book lists from some of your favourite authors and teachers, plus free book excerpts, audios and video interviews with people like Don Miguel Ruiz Jr., David G., Lee Harris, Mark Nepo and more. From well-known classics to hidden gems you've never heard of, it's the only no BS guide to the best spiritual books to enlighten your journey of self-discovery. So why not join the club, get inspired and save money at the nobsspiritualbookclub.com. There are 16 million children struggling with hunger in America. That's one in five daughters, sons, neighbors, and classmates who don't know where their next meal is coming from. Yet billions of pounds of good food go to waste every year. It's time we do something about it. Feeding America is a nationwide network of food banks that helps provide meals to millions of kids and families in need. Visit feedingamerica.org to help them feed even more. Together, we can solve hunger. Together, we're Feeding America. 
Welcome back. Simran, in book three, knowing you read the seven human expressions of grace, you say that they open the way for the divine knowing of who we are and the treasures that are waiting to be unlocked within our range of humanity. What are those treasures? So we have this ability to experience ourselves at a multidimensional level. And right now we think of just the five senses, but we've not really understood the beauty of our essence. And so as you move through these seven graces, you begin to discover the flavor of you, the fragrance of you, all of these other expressions of the senses that become the embodiments of the divine. In essence, this, the third book is about opening to your humanity. And right now we might look like there's humanity on the planet, but in truth, very few people have actually touched the heart of their humanity. And the heart of humanity actually embraces their full feeling, their full expression, their full range of light vibration, their in, intense understanding of the capacities of their mind and their heart to open. And when we allow that to happen, the real flowering that takes place is this gentle unfolding of compassion. And now more than ever, what our world needs now is not our interference, not our control, not our even helping hand. It is the eyes and ears and heart of compassion. That is what is going to serve our world. Well, most people on a spiritual path are looking to transcend the human, you know, um, not come deeper into the, the human. Um, how, how does knowing, I mean, what do we learn that is going to help us become more present to yeah. the physical? I think the problem is people don't realize that um, any type of transcendence that we do here really is more of an escape right now. Mm -hmm. We didn't come to planet Earth to try to transcend or escape. We came to planet Earth to have a certain type of experience and become gods on this plane. It, it's, it's more about that. I believe that the divine is actually fully present in all of our bodies. We are not. Our human self, our humanity has risen up and out. It's already ascended. What we need to do is pull it back down in so that it can be even with the God within us. And that's usually what happens. So often in spiritual work, what people are trying to do is they're sitting here in their unconscious self and they're trying to either pull God in or they're trying to project themselves out to God rather than realizing God never left. It's right here. You left. You, you drifted off out of your body, out of fear, flight, or fight. And so this is more about you grounding back in. And it is humanity that grounds us back in. It is our humanity that helps us touch that space within the heart that God rests. It is our humanity that creates the integration with the body. And so that's why I'm such a proponent of feeling everything, of deepening in, of involution, rather than transcendence or evolution. And I have found that to be quite profound in my work and actually something that sustains. I've seen a lot of people do a lot of different types of experiences. And what they don't realize is whether it is the use of external substances 
or getting caught up in different protocols and practices or different types of distractions. What you're doing is just occupying this. It's all in the mind. If it's never brought down into the body, it will never sustain, it will never last. And then you'll keep saying, well, I had it for a moment, but then it disappeared and I can't seem to get it back. The reason you don't get it back is because you never integrated it in the first place. Mm. And the only place to integrate is in the body. So are you saying then that we need to incarnate in order to learn about integrating the human with the divine? Yes, yes. We have to fully incarnate. Well, that was the to me what the divine wanted to experience human life. It wanted to experience feeling. The divine doesn't feel things because it's a neutral being. So we are serving in this capacity of understanding the full range of color, light, and sound by being human. And so if we really want to serve God and serve one another, then we will truly embody our humanity because then we will not only see God, we will see one another. And that is where God lives. Mm. You spoke earlier about things like regret and repression being very subtle um, pieces of the shadow. Um, and you also talk about, um, you know, raising the light body and everybody wanted, wanting to do that, raise their frequency. Um, but to do that, we need to release those subtler energies of regret and repression, etc. How do we actually do that? Yeah, so everything that we hold in our bodies from all the experiences that we had, that is what suppresses our frequency, vibration, light, sensitivity, all of those types of things. And so as we dissolve that, these frequencies naturally will raise up. Because we are such a heady society and we've fallen into conditioning, we've been taught, if I just do this thing, if I just memorize this, if I just put in my mind to go somewhere, I will achieve these states that I want. It really is so simple. All you have to do is be present to what you're feeling. That is all I did for seven years. I was present 100% to every single thing I was feeling to such a degree that the things that I really didn't want to feel, I made myself stay with them. And what happened as a byproduct was I started to feel these frequencies and vibrations and integrated light bodies take place. It's because I was willing to bring the humanity, bring myself into the body. And so it's not as hard as people think. The difficulty is really for the mind to stay present to what the body and the heart are feeling. And there is a distinction, Sandy, between what the heart and the body feels. Because as people move through this process, particularly when they get to the third and fourth levels of the seven across the books, they're going to start to have these spontaneous moments of feeling where maybe they erupt in tears or maybe all of a sudden they feel angry or they may have a sense of being really, really jealous and green with envy. What if you could have a career where the opportunities are as vast as our nation? where it's not about mission statements, but a shared mission. At U.S. Customs and Border Protection, we go beyond to protect more than borders. From ship to shore, air to ground, cities to local communities, CBP agents and officers are keeping people safe. Join U.S. Customs and Border Protection and go beyond for something far greater than yourself. 
Learn more at cbp.gov slash careers. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. And the mind is going to want to make up a story about that. It's going to want to figure out why that's happening. It's going to want to try to attach it to a specific event in their childhood or a specific person in their outer world. And really, it's just in the body. It's just asking to be present with and to be given an opportunity to dissolve. And so the books help individuals understand to not keep running to the mind to try to solve every problem, that truly your presence is enough. So it's one thing for me to see the shadow and acknowledge the shadow, but in order to really work with that, I've got to sit with it. Mm -hmm. I've got to feel it. I've got to experience it. I can't walk away, uh, do something else that's going to, you know, help me just magically get rid of it. Yeah, you have to be face to face with it. You have to listen to it. You have to. Pretty feel hard for. Yeah. How did you cope with that? You know, my intent to personally grow and experience my humanity has been so strong since childhood that. I think I've been willing to do anything to just be in my body. I knew I didn't feel like other people felt in in terms of I felt nothing. I knew that I didn't have any emotions. I couldn't cry. I knew that uh, I was capable of doing anything almost to the point that I was robotic and programmed to where I could really do just about anything with my eyes closed, but I couldn't feel. I, I couldn't get in touch with my gut response. I, I had no connection to my intuition. Like all of these things that everyone would keep talking about. I'm like, I don't, I don't have that. I don't hear angels. I don't transcend to this place over there. I'm not hearing voices. I'm not having, you know, goosebumps on my arm. I'm not having any of these things. So what do I do with that? If I'm just this ordinary human that can't access all these things that all these other people are talking about, how do I reach enlightenment? How do I find my peace? How do I access this deep inner authority and peaceful presence and purposeful way of living if I'm not like them? And that was, I've got to follow my own path. And and that's part of the reason these books were written too. This is not about my story. It is for you to place your story in it because we each have our own path. You are not going to do anything like anyone else. You're not going to experience it like anyone else. All you can do is get to your own awareness. And so my hope is for you to at least understand the technology of being human, the purpose of why our soul incarnated, and to understand that we all do have a ladder of experiences that we will encounter over and over again for the purposes of getting in touch with your path of personal growth. Mm. We've got about 10 minutes left. Um, I want to touch on something that everybody, everybody in the world, especially now in the current climate, is uh, very interested in. And that is um, manifestation. 
and mm. you you um, talk about the ladder of manifestation and that readers can follow this ladder to concrete life. Can you explain that to us? Because we've all heard so much about manifestation. You know, there's this formula and that formula, etc. But uh, a lot of people still can't manifest. Yes, I find that there are many people that want to manifest something and either they don't manifest it or they train their minds and they put in so much action and they finally do manifest it only for it to then fall away and crumble and they can't sustain it. And as I was moving through my own experience and I met these different dimensions of myself, what I began to realize is when I was wanting to manifest something, there were always other voices that I was pushing away. And I thought, what if I allowed myself to hear those other voices first, to acknowledge them, to accept them, to receive them, and then allowed myself to build a language and a voice within myself. Because you have to understand all your levels of being are active at the same time. So if you're experiencing self-sabotage, if you're experiencing cracks in your foundation, they're either coming from your being or your living. And if you're not present to the unconscious parts of you, those are the little gremlins that are going to come in and destroy that manifestation. And so as I move through creating the work for knowing, what, what came through was the verbiage and the language of what these dimensions feel as we start to build a manifestation in a way that has a strong foundation. And so you start off with this ladder with the voices of the lowercase living, being, and knowing. And those are the doubtful voices. Those are the places of where they are still entrenched in the timeless time spaces of you. And then you graduate up to a higher octave, which is the capital L, the rest of the word, lowercase, living, being, and knowing. And those are the conscious slash unconscious identities of you and what you believe is possible or not possible, or the part of you that believes there is a past and a future. And then there is the highest octave, you, which is the all caps, living, being, and knowing. And those are the life-affirming, divine presence, knowing of you that knows the truth of what can exist and what is possible. When you truly allow all of these voices to be seen, heard, and acknowledged, and are not just trying to convince yourself, intend yourself, or affirm yourself to a direction, you actually create a stronger foundation for manifestation to take place. The beauty of this work though, is that as you move to this place, all of a sudden, all those shadowy places of ambition and desire and passion and all those things you ever wanted, you're going to actually start to manifest those things, but you're not really even going to care as much about them, which also empowers the manifestation. So this is a multi-layered process as well. And we have to get away from wanting the quick pill or the quick fix and understand that to be human is to have a journey, to be an experience, to understand that you are the journey. And the ultimate journey is living inside of yourself. Mm. You talked earlier um, about, uh, you know, this being your legacy work. And I know that you've written that when you finished writing these, you didn't know whether you would ever have anything to say again. <laughs> you know, it was all poured out. Where are you at now with this? I mean, do you think that you will write more books or do you think you're done? Or are you going to take this particular work and 
offer it to people in different ways? You know, it's it's interesting. Uh, there's multi, a multi-dimensional answer to this question. Um, on one hand, I'm compelled to write. I don't think I can go by without a day and not write something because it's just part of my nature. When I wrote these three books after over a, a thousand pages of writing, I just felt like I don't want to write another thing. I'm done. And yet there was a part of me that questioned and said, but this just brings people to humanity. There's a place now where they can meet their godhood, their divinity. And what is that? I wasn't sure. And I didn't have any knowledge of what a book would be. So I wasn't planning on writing one. But as of late, I feel that coming. So I do think there will be one more. And to move through these books, people can do their own work. It'll be very insightful. It'll be inspirational. But for many, they will require the additional support to really understand how to dig deep and stay committed to themselves. And I can't help the whole world. Uh, and I have other things I'd like to do too. So I'm in the process of developing some online courses that let people go at their own pace, which I think is gentler as well, so that they can move through the work and really get their own deep insights. And will you be conducting those sessions or will they be recorded? Will people have access to you if they have you know, pitfalls along the way? They, um, they will be all recorded. They will be quite in depth. It's, it, they're quite in-depth courses and um, I am accessible. You know, I, I can be reached. I do respond to emails and messages and all of those kinds of things. And if someone really wants intimate personal contact and really have someone walk behind beside them through this process, then I do have personal mentoring as well. When you were writing these books, did you feel that you had company? You know, were they channeled? Did you feel that you were co-creating? I experienced everything that I wrote about. I know that when people receive the books, they probably read them as channeled works. Uh, they probably come across as channeled works. But everything that I have ever written has always come from personal experience. And do you think that that experience was part of some contract that you made pre-life? I do believe that I came to live a certain experience and garner the wisdom of it for my soul. I don't know that if these books were intended to be written for other people, I do know that my soul desired me to experience my own creative capacity. And so I wrote them first and foremost to experience and express my own creative capacity for my soul and as an example to other people that we are here to express our voices, to share our gifts, to illuminate ourselves and allow that illumination to spread across others that would wish to partake of them. And so I just created what I was felt needed to be created and I'll leave it at that for who it's meant to access. You know, um, do you, it's very hard to encapsulate these books. I mean, they are big pieces of work. And not just, you know, decent sized books. I mean, it's a big piece of work that we're looking at here. Um, how would you describe it to someone who comes up to you and says, well, why should I read these? What would you say to them? I would say, are they experiencing the life that they truly desire to experience from their soul perspective? 
because this is a set of manuals that the soul would have given them upon birth had there been a set of books that they could have followed as instructions. And it would have been the type of manuals to guide them through every kind of experience and help them live in the highest possible capacity that they could uh, to experience an aligned life. And you would say that that is exactly what you lived? Yes. Yes. Mm. And so, I have every experience from the lowest depths of what it means to be human to now higher reaching into the highest expressions of what it means to be a divine human. Simran, thank you. Thank you for sticking with it and taking one for the team so that we could all follow in your footsteps. Um, prodigious, prodigious piece of work. Thank well, thank you. you again for honoring it and for honoring me by just having this conversation. I so appreciate you and all the work you do and all the work that Ohm Times does in, in putting out such rich content and to be a, a part of this at this time with you and have my expression come out in this way. Uh, it just feels like a beautiful way to celebrate uh, my birthday month in which this is coming out as well. Thank you, Simran. For more information about Simran's uh, soul mentorship, poetry, her art, all of her events and her books, including the Self-Realization Trilogy, which this series has been covering, visit her website at iamsimran.com. That brings us to the end of this week's show. I'm Sandy Sedgbeer, and I'll be back at the same time next week with another edition of What Is Going On. Till then, it's goodbye from me, and thank you to Simran. Thank you. Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.